Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently, with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, today's guest, Stacey Housechild, helps feminist visionaries with strategic planning, business management, and team leadership. And I was curious to understand how we can use these strategic tools to smash the patriarchy. And here we are. Hey, Stacey, welcome to the show. Hi, Diana. Thanks for having me. So let's kick off with a little bit about you and your business. So as I mentioned, or as you mentioned, I'm Stacey, and I call Oaxaca, Mexico home. I'm an American who left the States I, almost 20 years ago, and I've lived all over the world. And here in Oaxaca, I am a certified director of operations and vetted, vetted ClickUp consultant, and I support feminist entrepreneurs to smash the patriarchy one deadline at a time through strategic planning and operations management. So my entire mission is to run your business so that you don't have to. First up, let's discuss feminist visionaries. How do we know if we are one or if we want to be one? How do we get started? Oh, my goodness. That is such a good question. And I think you could ask 15 different people their definition of feminism and you would get 25 different answers. <laughs> For me, I, I, did, I identify as a feminist because I believe that women are human beings who deserve equal rights. Now, when that, that basic definition, I also believe that inclusion, diversity, and representation matter. And I see that as an extension of the feminist movement as well. When it comes to entrepreneurship, feminist entrepreneurship is doing business in a way that puts people before profit and treats people as human beings and wants their business to make a difference in the lives of others, their team and their community. While you were speaking, I heard, I believe a lot. I believe a lot. So it sounds to me like it's a kind of values question. Would you say that that's something that you look at in the people that you work with? The short answer is yes. I believe that business is changing and people want to work with other people who have similar values. If I am hiring someone to support me in my business, I know that I'm supporting them financially, and that they're going to turn around and spend that dollar on something that's important to them. And money talks. And whether we believe in a capitalistic system or not, we do live in this system. And I think that many of us understand now that small groups of people can make change. So we want to work with other people who have the same value set as us. And create a community where we can foster change, not just in the lives of other female entrepreneurs, but for ourselves and our communities as well. And so is that then your starting point for the strategic planning for the business management, et cetera? Are you going into a client and being like, show me your values and then let's plan based on those values? 
Yeah. So that's an interesting question. So I think if you go to my website, it's very polarizing and P- and you will self-select whether or not <laughs> you want to work with me or not. And I am not here to judge at all what level of feminist you are. And so going back to, you know, what you said, how do we know if we're a feminist? I mean, there are people I'm following online that I look at and I go, oh my gosh, I can't reach out to them or I could never work with them because they're talking about things that like I haven't even thought about yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that is also like as women, we are very, very critical of ourselves. And so I just want to mention that because that goes into, so if you come to my website, it's very polarizing. If you're like anti-feminism, anti-woman, you're going to click off and that's okay. But if you are at any level, and I don't have a rating system, but if you're at any level, for lack of a better word, when we do strategic planning, the first thing we're looking at is creating an unbreakable foundation in your business. And that includes mission, vision, and values. I was specifically, I was trained to carry out the strategic mapping model by an operations certification. What I added in there was step two, which is to also create a diversity, equality, and inclusion statement. Because I think that, because that helps you understand the type of clients you want to help and also helps with helps with hiring later on in your business as you're growing and helps people understand what you believe in. So your values, I mean, my top value is humor. That has nothing to do with feminist business or anything like that, right? And so your values may not, depending on how you run your business and what you believe in and the services that you have, those feminist values or your beliefs in diversity, inclusion, and equality may not come out in your values, but they will come out in your DEI statement. And people that want to incorporate that into their business model, their strategic planning, and the way forward, understand that that's an important part of the business. Okay, so so we know that the feminist vision shows up in our vision, mission, values, mm-hmm. or DEI. It's going to show up in one of those places somewhere in the foundation of our business. Now, how does that then, through strategic planning, help to like smash the patriarchy? <laughs> like, what are the walls, I guess, of this this feminist house that we're building? If that's the foundation, yeah, that's a great question. So. We look at, once we get past the unbreakable foundation, mission, vision, and values, we go to step two, be more equitable. And then we move to step three, which is, I forgot what I call it, my fancy, my fancy name for it. But step three is looking at the nine pillars of your business. Oh, we're not building a house. We're building a temple. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> my bad. My bad. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yes. Building our uh, feminist temple. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. We're looking at nine pillars. And I like to think of these pillars as board of directors because it helps it helps understand as as solopreneurs or people with small teams, 
we are being pulled in multiple directions and there are voices inside our heads saying, we need to work on this in our business or we need to work on this in our business or what about that? Or you're sitting on this or, oh God, I'm working too much in this area and I should be working on other things, right? So I like to c- consider them boards of board, your board of directors, directors. So we look at your nine areas, your nine pillars, your nine board of directors, whatever you want to call them. Some might, some people like to give them names because they, they're like, okay, this is this person. It's like the angel and the devil on your shoulder, right? Like this, this is this person, right? That I want to be working with in my business right now. So for example, the, one of the pillars that we look at is money and finance. And we look at a variety of things, but one of them is, is your business supporting you financially? Like not a big aha moment, but is your business supporting you financially? So number one, are you paying yourself? This is a feminist value. Your business is not a hobby, right? Are you paying yourself? But to go even bigger than that, is your business supporting your long-term financial goals, which include savings and retirement? If you aren't saving or you aren't investing, do you want to? Usually the answer is yes. And if you're going to invest, are you investing in stocks, index funds, whatever, that's not my zone of expertise, and in putting your money where you want to be putting it? And a lot of people, they may be investing blindly, not knowing what companies they're actually supporting, and saying, okay, are you paying yourself, number one, but going bigger, are your investments in line with what you believe? And if not, do we need to readjust your investment portfolio? As an example, when we're looking at, when we're looking at marketing, making sure that we are using inclusive language. So I am trying to get away from using, hey guys, I mean, that was ingrained in me from the beginning. I also live in Mexico where there are 99 girls, 99 elementary girls in a, in, you know, in a classroom and one boy, we're going to use the masculine version of the word kids, right? right. And so in our marketing, are we using inclusive folks, people, y'all, whatever you want to use? and getting away from girl boss and things like this that just that just don't diminish i think some and again this is these are these these are my beliefs these are the people that work with me you know i'm not in any way trying to say that you shouldn't use these terms if they align with what you believe but i think sometimes as entrepreneurs we can diminish ourselves by using cutesy feminine terms as opposed to owning that we are a CEO or an entrepreneur. And then we can exclude people by using words in our marketing that we don't even, we don't even think about. So essentially what we're saying is we have this feminism embedded in that foundation, but it's also kind of reaching up the, the kind of core of the pillars as well. So like finances, yes, we want to make money, but are we making it in a way that supports our feminist value and 
using it in a way that supports it in marketing the same way? Is it working for us in a way that's in line with our values, but also including everybody else? So it's kind of an inward and an outward look on each of the pillars. Yeah, I think that's a good way of explaining it. And I would also say that when I do strategic planning with a client, it's not all 100% feminist focused. Whether you're a feminist or not, you need a bookkeeper. <laughs> okay. If you're, even if you're not a feminist, please do some kind of planning and have somebody look at your money. <laughs> that's, uh, that's right. And even if you're not a feminist, you need I'm to not sell. a feminist. I don't need to pay taxes. <laughs> that's right. I'm not a feminist. I don't need a sales page. I'm not a, I'm not a feminist. My business, my business operates so efficiently, you would never believe it. I would say that the feminist strategic planning is the feminist aspect is an extra layer that helps you run your business and plan in a way that fits your values. So let's talk about what some of the other pillars are so that people can think about whether or not they're actually applying strategic planning in a really balanced way. Because what I find when I talk to people about strategic planning is it's usually very focused on marketing and sales, mm -hmm. traditionally and, in entrepreneurship. And why, why do you think, why, why has that been the case in the past? Well, I think money has always been seen as the success marker for people, right? And those are the two things that correlate directly to money because people forget about the fact that, oh, you actually still have to deliver on the back end mm -hmm. of those things. What's sexy is the Facebook ad that made you seven figures overnight one day that you can now market to everybody as your new methodology. You can. And this is a tricky one because I was talking to a friend about this the other day. And I think this is something that people struggle with is do I, when we look at that marketing piece. So for me, when we get to the marketing pillar, it's called BAM, branding, advertising, and marketing. Because you do need some BAM in your business in order to get your message, mess, message out there. Like 100%, this is not a hobby, right? And what do you do when ads are the next thing in your business in this pillar that makes sense? And how do you decide if you're going to run ads based on what you believe about Facebook? I was speaking to an ad strategist the other day and she said, you know, sometimes we have to live within the, within the confines that we're given in order to fight against them. Like we can't change the world overnight, but we can make a difference. And so that is a personal decision. And I'm never going to tell anybody they should or should not do anything in their business. My job is to help people understand that they can bring their personal values into business and make a difference for themselves, for their community, et cetera. And we're one of the, one of the, you one of the, going back to one of the things you asked about, what are the other pillars? So when we look at service and sales, for example, we're going to be looking at your sales funnel. And do you need to revamp your sales page? Again, whether you're a feminist or not, you need a sales page, right? <laughs> but when it comes to selling your product, a feminist value could be having, making your programs and services financially accessible by offering no interest payment plans. Because if you look historically, 
I'm, and I will speak from a white woman's perspective in the United States. My mother was, was probably, what, 10 years old when women were allowed to have a credit card without the signature of a man. So if you, and that's, my mom's only in her 60s. You know, like we're not talking a million years ago here. So historically, women have not had equal access to credit. And we can go down that entire rabbit hole, but we won't. So just to, you know, shorten that up and a feminist value could be, I want to offer people access to my programs and I want to make it accessible for, I want to make their payment accessible. And people go, oh yeah, I could do that. That's easy. And, so, and, and, and something they might, might not have thought about. And then that goes into the strategic, strategic plan of, okay, when do, when do we want to do that? Do we want to do that next quarter, in two quarters, depending on what we got going on? Are we going to have to change our, you know, payment gateways? And so that's, I think, an example of, okay, yeah, we do want to make our programs more accessible. When are we going to do that? There, in strategic planning, some people can tend to feel overwhelmed because you're like, okay, this is going really well and we need to keep doing that. But at the same time, we want to make improvements. And my job is also to help people understand you're not going to go away and make it the improvements in the next week. This is, you know, if we're creating a sustainable feminist business, it's deadline after deadline. It's step after step. And we're going to get better and we're going to add things. And that's just how business works in general. Yeah, it's kind of that 1% rule. Like, how can I do this 1% better and then the next time do it 1% better again and just keep trying those incremental improvements. And that makes me think, yeah, right now in your service and sales, you may want to provide, you know, non-interest payment plans. In the future, you may want to set up a scholarship program that, you know, allow, you know, for two people to, to come into your program. Oh, wait, next year it's going to be five people, whatever it is, right? So that's a great, I think that 1% is a great way to put it. Yeah, I love that being able to see like how this can be applicable to each different part. I want to like quickly though go through the like, so we've had financials, marketing, sales and service, sorry, financials, bam, <laughs> sales and service. What are the other six pillars just so that people, I want people to think about the areas of their business that they could be thinking about more deeply in terms of their values, feminist or not. Yes. And in full transparency, I had to pull this up because I do not have them memorized. I'm so disappointed in you right now. (laughs) (laughs) We have money and finance and money and finance is beyond revenue. As we talked about before, it's about setting up strong financial foundations for your business and yourself. Legal protection. Legal protection is about trademarks, your intellectual property, and contracts. And legal's boring, but it's necessary. And has a lot of capacity for you to think about the other person, not just protecting yourself in the contract language in particular. 100%, yes. Service and sales, we talked about from a feminist lens. This is, you know, your product and your service suite, your launches and your launch cycles, and your competition. Visibility and marketing, your BAM, 
right? We talked about we, we talked about this one already. Operational efficiencies. These are all the things that help us that make business easier for us to run. How and so we look at your operational efficiencies and inefficiencies, processes, procedures, systems, workflows, etc. Now, as an operations geek, I love this stuff. When it comes to a feminist perspective, that could mean does the email marketing system that we use support the things that we believe in? And then you look at it and you go, oh God, no. Well, shit. Now we got to change our whole email marketing system by next Monday. Absolutely <laughs> not. But it's just making people aware of how the things that they do in their personal life, they can bring into business. And it's never my job to say, you must change your email marketing system if this, you know, if these people are donating to Black Lives Matter, if these people aren't, right? Yep. It's not my job. And you may not have the capacity, the time, the money, whatever to do that now. And that's why it's called planning. <laughs> okay, I'm not running a hobby here. It is a business. This is important, but it's not as important as this other thing. So we're going to put it on the plan. And when that quarter comes up, we're going to revisit it. And for now, we're going to forget about it. So that's how I think, you know, the feminist lens can come into operational efficiencies. And it can also, operational efficiencies also allow you to run your business more efficiently, as the name suggests. It's about not burning yourself to the ground. The hustle and grind culture is real. And looking at ways that you can do business more easily so that you are not burning out. And I think also that hustle culture is very masculine in its energy. So if you do have the feminist lens, it allows you to look at how could I do things that work for me without judging it against what has traditionally been done. Yes, 100%. And I would also add to that that Hustle, the hustle culture is very masculine, but women have got sucked into it. Moving on to client experience. So this is the pillar where we look at your client journey, client satisfaction, offboarding, retention, um, and client experience is that pillar that a lot of people want to focus on because as women, we are people pleasers. And we think that if this person on Instagram is giving gifts to their clients, we should be giving gifts to their clients. And what I like to present is an alternative to gifts. I'm not against gifts. What I'm not a big fan of is gifts that people aren't going to use. And then they get put in the landfill because environmental racism is real. and. There are different ways to support your clients that don't involve an extra expense for you, extra work for you, and can create those rating fans and a great client experience. And, you know, a couple examples of those, that could be a gift card to, I mean, a lot of people use Starbucks. Again, I'm not here to judge. Starbucks is easy. It's everywhere if you're in the United States. It could be a gift to... From a, you know, an, an art. Yeah, like a, a local coffee store, right? Exactly. Like a small roastery or something. Exactly. A local coffee store, an artisan. If you don't want to go the gift route, it can be writing your client a testimonial. 
about the work that they do. And then that thing gets recycled digitally around the, you know, around the interwebs forever. And it's social proof that after you worked with them, you can see what a great job they're doing in X, Y, and Z. And they appreciate that. If they have a YouTube show or they have a podcast, reviews are every creator's love language. Hint, hint. Diane hint, says. <laughs> exactly. I wasn't even exactly. trying to be subtle. <laughs> exactly. Company, company culture is the next strategic objective that we look at. And this one is huge for me. I am, I am very passionate about creating work environments that people want to show up in every day and enjoy. And this includes, you know, the obvious diversity and inclusion, but also leadership and how CEOs show up as leaders. And, you know, when I come onto people's teams as a director of operations or an online business manager or so many, you know, we, we work in a space where you can call yourself a digital unicorn. You can, call me, you can call me whatever you want. Empowering your team members is super important. I am just a firm believer in hiring the right people, supporting them, and getting out of their way. And also being a leader, and I think this is, you know, I mentioned this at the um, very beginning. Humor is a huge is like my number one value. Humor allows people want to go to work where they enjoy their job, they enjoy their environment, where they are respected and appreciated. If you're having fun, it is a hundred times easier to come to somebody when you respect them and be like, I disagree with this, or hey, I think we could do this better. A lot of visionaries don't like people management. And they don't have to do it if they hire an online business manager or a DOO or whatever. But at the same time, not everybody's ready for that, depending on where they're at in business, right? And so helping people to understand that if they hire correctly, they don't need to micromanage them. Right. 100%. What's our next one? The very last but not least is professional development and training, or what I like to call TED. So training, education, and development. And when we get to this aspect, what we're looking at is how you are investing in yourself and your business. One aspect, we're also looking at boundaries, aspect number two. So when we look at your, how you are investing in yourself, what we're looking at is how many courses have you purchased that you've never used? <laughs> I feel because, so judged right now. <laughs> because you had a fear of missing out. Where do you actually need to develop versus what do you need to outsource? A lot of times, female entrepreneurs get stuck in the, I need to learn more, I need to learn more, I need to learn more. And we are afraid to put ourselves out there. And I don't, but I think it happens at every level. It's like every level, you know, new level, same devil as I've heard somebody say before. And so we want to, we, we're learning, we're learning, we're learning. I'm not against learning. You had to learn. And I mean, you had to learn how to start a podcast, right? That was yep. important. Only you 
Diane can be the podcast host of your business, right? I had to learn about strategic planning, but I don't need to learn about, you know, how to dance on TikTok if that's not what I want to do. That's a bad example, but you don't need to learn how to keep your books. You can hire a bookkeeper. That's a bad example. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. And so we're looking at that. What do you need? To, what areas do you really, truly need to develop? Is there a retreat that you want to go to versus what can you outsource? And if you have courses that are sitting there that you've never done, do you want to do them or do you just want to ditch them? And there's no judgment there. Because we're looking at a sunk cost. Time is more valuable than the money you've already spent. And if you don't need that course, then you don't need it. Moving on. When we look at boundaries, we're looking at putting up the walls in the temple that we don't want people to be, you know, coming into. Right? And that is about when do I work? When do I not work? How do I let my team? to communicate with me? Is it through a project management tool? Or is it okay that five different team members are pinging you on Facebook, Messenger, email, Slack, Voxer, and whatever else you got going on, right? What, how do you want to show up? And what do you want? And and what do you want to let go of? And that's it. Yeah, I think that's that's so nice and well-rounded for people to just have a moment and be like, do I even have planning in all of those stages? And then how do I want to align those with my business? Is there a particular pillar that you feel like everybody struggles with at first? So that is there one that people are likely to hit it? It's going to feel a bit discouraging, but they just push through, they can do it. I would say the area that people struggle with is writing their mission statement. That's not even the pillar. Foundations. (laughs) And... The pillars, they kind of take care of themselves because after people, like I guide them through all these different areas and they just get to dump everything out. And I say, do you have any sticky notes laying around? Do we need to add these to this pillar? Visionaries love a good butcher block paper on the wall with all their ideas. And one of the things I like to say is your team is not feeling confident when you hold the computer up to the wall and say, here's my plan for the next two weeks. You know, and so it's like, okay, let's take those ideas. I I think that you should use butcher block paper. I think that you should use whatever you want. But when we get it into a plan that your entire team can see, it needs to be in a place that your entire team can see. Not on the wall in your office, right? Those things kind of take care of themselves. And I can help people decide, okay, great. These are all the things that you said based on um, your mission statement, which we'll come back to in a minute and your vision statement and your revenue goals, which one of these pillars do we need to build first or work on first, right? And those things fall into line. A lot of people struggle with their mission statement. And I like to say it's absolutely necessary because it not only helps you to create a real business, but it helps you understand why the fuck you're doing this some days when you actually just want to burn it all down. And so that is challenging for people. When I work with people to do a mission statement, it's one sentence. It's not your biography. It's not your elevator pitch. So for example, my mission is to smash the patriarchy through operations, period. 
right? That's why I get up every day. That's what I do what I do. On Monday, I had a shitty day. I took the day off. That's okay. I got back to it on Tuesday. We're not perfect, right? So that is the hardest piece of it. But it's absolutely foundational because then it's like, okay, what services are we creating? Do I have too many services? And it all builds on itself. I think for some people, vision can also be challenging depending on who you are. There are some people who it's very, very hard to see like five, 10 years in the future. And I'm like, I don't care about five, 10 years in the future. In online business, three months is a lifetime. Like, tell me what the next year looks like. We're good. And so that can be challenging. Or some people get overwhelmed by the things that they do envision, but they're not sure how to get there. And again, that's why we work on clarity, direction, and a plan. Yeah, I think one of the things I see when I talk to people about their mission is they get stuck trying to make it like punchy. Like they think it's like a tagline. And so if you can just remove like the marketing aspect from it for a minute, you may never tell somebody what your mission is. Like you may have your elevator pitch and all the other things that you use, but your actual mission, like, like yours is very simple language. I mean, it's very clear what it is, which is what you want. But I think people try to get really clever with mission and then they get really stuck because we get stuck with everything copywriting. So like, just don't copyright your mission. Talk about what it is that you want to do and then be like, how would I tell that to someone in one sentence, preferably like a seven-year-old? Yes, 100%. And I think the reason a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with it is it's the thing, it's one of the things that they skipped over at the very beginning. I don't have time to write a mission statement. I need money. I need to get some clients (laughs) in the door. I need to get, you know, I need to be creating some Instagram stories. I need to do all these things. And they're not wrong. Like we have, you know, I didn't create a mission statement when I first started. I was like, I need to do all those things, right? But at a certain point, it is foundational because it is exact. It's why your business exists, full stop. Especially if you have a team. You can't have a team yes. and not have a mission statement because they have to know where they're, where they're pointed. It's like that North Star for your business. They have to know why they're coming to work every day and what everybody is working towards. And that's also why the strategic plan is important because... If people know, oh, okay, we're going to be focusing on marketing this quarter, then they know they're going to be focusing on marketing this quarter. There's no surprises. And that empowers people to show up. And it also, I think, if if the entire team is moving in the same direction, it's much, and this goes back to the, the company culture aspect, the entire team is going in the same direction. And you see how things can be done differently. You're going to be more inclined to speak up because you know your ideas are going to be heard. So much power from a strategic plan, from just making you a better business person, helping your team to smashing the patriarchy. I love it. So to finish up, I always like to ask my guests a couple of questions, and I'll be really interested to see your answers in particular to this. So first up, what is your number one lifestyle boundary for your business? This is a great question because this is something we talk about in the boundaries aspect of the um, professional development pillar. For me, and it's the example that I use, 
I don't work in the morning. My mornings are dedicated to coffee and reading, walking the dogs, and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's yoga. And then that means I start work at about 10.30. Am I perfect? Nope. Have I, have I broken my boundaries? Yep. What happens is I am incredibly anxious and stressed out because I've checked email at 7.30 in the morning or I've checked ClickUp, which is my project management tool, and I see things that have come in from the night before, and I think that I need to do them immediately. And it throws my entire day off. So that's my boundary. Do I do it all the time? Nope. Do I see the consequences of when I don't adhere to that? 100%. All linking back to it's that foundational start to your day for you. Yep, 100%. Okay, finally, (laughs) I'm looking forward to this one. What's the worst piece of cookie cutter advice you've been given as an entrepreneur? Oh, I would say that I need to be active on social media all the time. How active would you say you are on social media? I am active on LinkedIn because LinkedIn works for me as an operator. But I would, and I I would say that this is a really tricky question. I would say that when I first started, I thought I needed to be on all of the social media platforms all the time and getting my messaging out there. But that's not true to me. It's not authentic to me. And it's exhausting to me. And I tried it and I got burnt out and I put my efforts into network and relationship marketing and LinkedIn. So that's, I guess my answer would be the blanket statement that you need a lot of social media. Awesome. We've had such a well-rounded, like almost like a how to go and audit your business feminist or not, back into your values, I'm sure people are going to have more questions and want to connect with you on this topic. Where's the best place on social or on your website for them to carry on the conversation with you? So no surprise, as I mentioned, LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can find me at Stacey Haaschild on LinkedIn. And you can also um, learn more about strategic planning on my website, stacyhaaschild.com. Awesome. I'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes as well so people can easily find you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Diane. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review.